particular style of Rhone wines, GSM being Grenache, Syrah, Mouvedre. So those grapes will make appearances here, but it's not exclusively that blend um, and some others. But one of the thing about the nice part about Rhone inspired wines when it comes from other countries is they have those uh, emphases on what happens in the Rhone region on more of the earthiness and the minerality and the acidity of the fruit as opposed to uh, what has happened a lot in the new world, which is all about the fruit flavor, the fruit flavor, the fruit flavor. So when you have some of those winemakers in those areas, then either the marketplace and or the terroir lends itself to being very fruit forward. These winemakers go in and try to balance or draw some of that back and balance it out with the winemaking practices that have been going on for centuries in France. So it's kind of interesting to do. Um, and because the uh, Rhone region has a big river running through it, <laughs> the Rhone, the um, uh, our theme for music is river and or water, just to make it easier for some, but everybody did really well. So um, thank you again. I, I went down the YouTube hole, as it were, and the <laughs> Spotify hole and every other hole there was. Um, Yay hole! Right? <laughs> The sparkling uh, when we were that. chatting before the podcast, yeah. and that's it. Um, but regardless, um, you know, what I wrote here was Rhone and Rhone inspired wines, river, water. So there you go, that's our theme. Um, and uh, but do you guys have any questions? I usually pontificate more, but you know, I'm happy to stop and move on to wine. But do you guys have any questions about Rhone or Rhone wines? Or no, I'll say we've 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 seen the Rhone. Because it goes through Lyon. Yes, that is true. It's like the northern part of it. But yeah, it goes through Lyon. I was surprised. I really thought everything would be white tonight. So oh. why is it? Why, well, they, 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 in, the, in the wine region of Rome, there's actually northern Rome and southern Rome wines, which are different styles. Um, and, and there are several different um, communes, is one way to put it. There's several different. Um, legislated types of wines within those regions. There's Chateauneuf du Pape, there's Hermitage, there's Cote de Rhone, there's Cote de Rhone Village, there's, um, and there's, and there's 
Chateau Neuf de Pop Rouge and Blanc, and there's um, uh, uh, Cote de Rhone Rouge and Blanc, and Cote de Rhone Village Rouge and Blanc. And there are white wine grapes that are used in one blend, and only those types of grapes can be used, and red wine grapes in the others. But one of the other things that happens, not always, but often in a lot of the red wines, not the super high-end red wines of, of Rhone, is they'll mix in, uh, they'll be allowed to mix in a white grape varietal in with there. One of the most common is to mix some Viognon in with some uh, Syrah. Um, but uh, but the, the grape varietals in the red wine, since we'll be tasting that tonight, uh, typically are, besides Grenache and Syrah, which are the really big ones, they're kind of the bases of them. If one thinks of Bordeaux wines as being either based in Cabernet or based in Merlot with other grapes blended in. In, in Rhone, for red, it's Syrah or Grenache with other grapes blended in or the predominant one is Syrah and the lesser is Grenache and then other grapes are the reverse. And the other grapes might be Mouvedre, Carignan, um, Cinso, those would be the big primaries. So, um, but yeah, maybe we just do Cote de Rhone White another time. There we go, I love it. Or just Rhone White, not just necessarily Cote de Rhone White. And there you go, I pontificated to the end of the music. Ah, um, well, you know, <laughs> ask questions because I, I I can't always assume that everybody knows everything I know. And that's right. why I ask. Because you can um, safely assume that we yeah. don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, not everything, but like I I mean well you know that's how helpful. it is. That you yeah. don't know what your audience wants to know. True. And you're a lot of audience out there, hopefully, but you're my audience tonight, so I want to know what you want to know, and so yeah. that's why I ask you to what do you need? So I want to know what the first wine wanna, tastes like. Right, so I need to pour the first wine, right? There you go. Paige has her priorities working. Priorities straight. Kind of spicy um, tonight. Yeah. She does she's have a little spicy. Spicy yeah. cat on her lap. I have the spicy cat. It's true. That's true. Limoncello is, uh, although we did a good job of occupying the dogs, I have a feeling this time. hope so. I hope you haven't spoken too soon. No. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm tempting fate. <laughs> I also noticed, uh, I'll mention, Tate does not have a Monteverdi phone co cover tonight. I know. What happened? Well, I got an iPhone 10. Oh, tough life. <laughs> and cheers. Cheers.
Isn't isn't that just the best that recording? Is, uh, of that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I, who is the singer? This is Magdalena Kojama. Oh, I think that's how you say her name. So sorry. I, I mean, I always think of um, Cleopatra as being a soprano, but so the, the piece is the piece is Da Tempeste, which is one of the four arias that Cleopatra sings, or maybe it's five arias Probably in Giulio Cesare of Handel, mm -hmm. and um, but mezzos can sing it at Baroque pitch. Ah, uh -huh, yeah. and that explains that why I loved happening. the color yeah. of her voice, and mm -hmm. I was like, oh, she didn't ornament just. Super high. Yeah, she, yeah, it was, it was gorgeous. It's so, I just love this recording. And what I love is that the orchestra, whenever the, the tempo kind of sags a little bit naturally, relaxes a little bit, mm -hmm. they come right back in at the tempo and so it just keeps it yeah. going forward. Yeah, they just, yeah. Well, the percussive almost and how they were like yeah. solidifying yeah. the downbeats. It was yeah. just, it was really jamming. Like, I, yeah. I think, I don't know, I, I try to sell handles like rock music. It is. It kind is. Of it is. You get to like improvise. Well, rock mm -hmm. is probably not very good. Maybe more like Well, jazz. but there's a similar form to yeah. rock where it's like yeah. you do this, we have this, and we go back to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. There's a bridge yeah. and structure. <laughs> See, now I listen to that and I think, thank the Lord I don't have to sing that right now. <laughs> <Well, that's> <laughs> I mean, that's what that's all I can go through. Yeah. Oh, oh my darling, I just kicked the poor belly. Yeah, no, but I agree. I mean, like you hear that song, you're just, I mean, like seriously, it's, it's just heavy. Yeah, oh, that's what's so good about ornamenting. It just keeps everybody on their toes. Everyone's mm -hmm. just like waiting for the next thing that happens. Yeah. Yeah, but like all of that is not ornamenting. That's the other thing. It's like some you just want to right. Yeah. Some of it is built into the um, to, to to the to the to what Handel wrote. Yeah. And like, if you can't already do what he wrote, then you have no business singing it and trying to ornament. So right, exactly. It's like that's like the uh, that's your uh, whipped cream. Um, that's your license. If you can sing it without ornamenting, that's your license to then ornament. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's probably a good rule. I but do you do you think that that's singer's music or do you? So, for example, if you're a singer. You can appreciate the difficult, uh, uh, what's yes. going on, et cetera, et cetera. But do you think somebody who's not a singer listens to that in the same way as a, a lyric line and some? I don't know. That's a really good question because I think that, you know, I think context has everything to do with it. I think probably deep within um, a Handel opera, maybe it wouldn't be as exciting because you've heard like things like that many times yeah, already. <laughs> but I think that most people could connect with the fact that they can't do that. Right. right? Or even right. that that's like, right. that it's virtuosic, and yeah. that it's beautiful, and that it's like exciting. Yeah. Well, okay, you know? so what's, yeah. this, what's this aria about? You know the fourth or fifth one she's singing right right it's about um you know the the sailor coming home from you know sea mm -hmm. right, right. so i think ultimately anything not just this is about do you connect that emotion that text through the music conveyingly to the audience right. so will will you sit there and listen to it you know and be like oh it's just virtuosic but i don't connect I think that's up to the performer. Yeah. The ornament, do the ornaments they choose work. convey and work emotionally for what is to and connect, yeah. mm -hmm. or are they just to be showy and throw shit in? Mm -hmm. 
it's like okay so is this what i would do if i was really okay so she sings this because she just got rescued from a horrible situation okay she that's why she's singing this and she's using the metaphor of the sailor making it through the storm alive in the ship like that was a really like going out to sea there were really no guarantees like oh, you yeah. really were like it was very dangerous <laughs> i mean that's almost like hilarious to even say because it's it so was, obvious in a way right? like that it was it was uh close to going out to outer space now There's that yeah. like feeling of i made it I'm here, I'm okay now, like, yeah. this is super exciting, that overwhelming joy. Yeah, there's an exuberance in the music that's clear, whether you're a musician or you're not a musician, like, that comes across. Yeah. I think as musicians, we listen to different things than a layman may listen for, because, you know, we all have, have had to create our own ornaments, so I'm always listening for, you know, what they do with, you know, how they change the music as it's written. If you're just listening to it, you can just appreciate like the structure, the exuberance, the, the fast pace, and the color of her voice. But I think she does a really good job of like structurally, like you really do get a flavor of the, the through line of the music in the way that she's singing it. It's not like, and it fits with the, with the text, I feel like she really paints the picture in terms of the words, which is a bonus with Handel's music. So I think, I, I don't know, I think it comes across really, really well. And it, and it really jams along the excitement throughout the entire thing, even the B yeah. section. Yeah. So. yeah. Do you feel so me like, okay, so do you have any sense that like if you, okay, so clearly I really connect with this piece, but I think that it might not be everyone's taste, you know? So maybe like there are going to be audience members who are like, when is this going to be over? She's sung the same thing like 80 times. Yeah. Have you guys all done Handel operas performed? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, they, they're usually heavily cut right for that reason <laughs> for good reason yeah, yeah. like maybe don't do that second right so oftentimes now. they'll cut <laughs> well, let's go back to rock i mean yeah. like it's it can get repetitive <laughs> yeah. after a while right for sure yeah um no you, you right? it, yeah so and you you know like my first handle opera like I, I i had five arias and i think two of them were cut like they cut the repeated a section and they weren't the greatest hits you know so it's like if you're performing a like four-hour concert and you want to whittle it down to three, you know, you take the you know, or yeah, two and a half. B, yeah, <laughs> you take the B side of the album and you make some cuts. Mm -hmm. That's you know how it works. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Great piece. Mm -hmm. I do like this one. I have to say. Mm -hmm. I do mm -hmm. too. Me I too. really like this one. Yeah. This is very interesting indeed. Okay, yeah. what do you like about it? <laughs> it's wine number one, Heather and Trini. I know. Um, <laughs> so, but no, but I mean, what do you like about it? What do, you, do you smell or taste something you enjoy? Or is it the weight? Or I get a lot of cherry on the nose. Hmm. Like bright cherry. I think it's, uh, well, it's and not it's a bright. very big it's wine. Bright. It's kind of a medium body wine, mm -hmm. which is nice. And it's got good acidity. I think it has interesting nose with like herbs and florals and the cherry you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So this is going to perhaps be a really dumb question. No, no dumb questions. 
So for instance, I feel like this one has a lot of flavor. I feel like there's a lot going on here. Yeah. But when you say it's not a big wine. Right, so a big wine is about uh, f light, medium, full-bodied, meaning. Right. Uh, so that's how it feels in your mouth. And, and I've said this before, and I don't mind repeating it. It's like the difference between skim milk versus 1% versus 2% versus whole milk versus half and half versus heavy cream. You that know, makes sense. yeah, mouthfeel. Oh, How big does really it feel? Good. In your mouth? Yeah, and even like, even if you look at the color too. Yeah, like, I'm looking at the color right now, and it, it's got a beautiful kind of like garnet red in the center. Mm -hmm. And as it goes out towards the edge, the like last uh, eighth inch is, is almost clear uh, around the edges, uh, and then after that, it starts to like you know be almost cloudy pink hued into the garden. It's yeah. really, it's really it's pretty. Bigger cool. wines will usually, um, that's usually where you're going to get the purple teeth. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, cause they, they have I was going to say the word that I would use to describe this wine is it's very pretty. Oh, that is exactly like that. the okay. word. It's not beautiful. It's not, but so Pretty, um, oh, pretty in color, like pretty in cherry smell, mm -hmm. pretty in complexity, but but understand, you know, pretty you can understand. It's uh, the girl next door. Yeah, very pretty. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The girl this next wine door. Is the girl wine. next door. Um, <laughs> yeah. We should name wine. Yeah. Um, it would probably sell. Yeah, I'm sure it would. Yep. There was a wine line called Little Black Dress or LBD. Oh, or actually, yeah. I think it's hashtag LBD. Oh, I haven't it. just ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not the market. I'm sure people buy that for that reason. I'm sure they do. Yeah. It's actually not bad. So that helps. Anyway, um, yeah, thank you for the segue. And um, that's a pretty, that's a, yeah, that's an enjoyable wine number one. I think. Uh, Heather would be proud. Well, Heather would be proud, <laughs> who can't be with us here tonight. But um, the other thing is, uh, um, Lenny can't be with us here tonight. But uh, but I, I definitely think that it, the bar is set for the other two. Yeah, right? <laughs> right? The yeah. bar is set. Yeah, it's, a good, uh -huh. it's a good start. It's Musically a good and also with your wine. Yeah. All right. Well, I will go ahead and uh, start the next song and pour the next one. Oh, 
Farella and the singer is uh, Fisher Discal and pianist uh, Gerald Moore yes. and Franz Schubert if you don't know the composer. So exactly. Mm -hmm. What I find so exciting about this piece is that uh, Paige, while we were in the other room just having snacks, had mentioned that she wasn't a big fan of art song. <laughs> and we were having this conversation about, well, it's all about education. And, and maybe knowing a little bit about it before you hear it, et cetera, et cetera. And so what I would like to share tonight is just a tiny little bit of education. I mean, I've never sung this song personally. I've always thought about it when you know, you're in college and you, you hear everybody singing it because it's a yeah. great song, song to study. Uh, obviously, we know Schubert is a, a, a great song writer, et cetera, et cetera. But so the song is about it's it's so simple. This this narrator is watching this fish in the river swimming about, having a, a great time, and then there's this evil, cruel fisherman trying to catch the fish. You know, this is mm -hmm. verse verse two, and then what happens is um, he's not catching it. And all right, so let's muddy up the waters because if you muddy up the waters, then you can catch the fish. And then he, you know, he's a thief. He steals the fish and catches the fish, and that's the end of the story. Mm -hmm. Okay, so well, what kind of poem is that? You know, I'll come back to that. Yeah, but I'll come back. You know, what is that? Well, it turns out that this poem actually has another verse mm -hmm. at the end. That's exactly and right. And so wow. the poet did have something else um, to add and some sort of moral to the story. And it's for women, be careful of men with their rods. And you can <laughs> interpret that any way you want. But um, No, you take it the way it's intended. <laughs> so so there is a whole other another verse that, that Schubert chose not, not to include. And so we have to figure out, well, why is it that he chose not to include it? Right. And if you, if you Google it, you can find out, well, maybe he did, didn't include it so that the narrator could either be a female narrator or a, mare, uh, a male narrator. Which I've always, was common at the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is fine. But here's my, my interpretation of this song. First of all, it's just light. It's not meant to um, to be your steak finisher of the evening. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I interpret it this way. Every single day I go to the dog park with my mm -hmm. dog, Dexter. And here I am, if I'm the narrator, I'm watching all of these dogs come together. They're having such a great time. They're playing in the park. It's, it's, it's 7 o'clock, you know, their owners are all great. Everything's going well. Every once in a while you hear somebody say, no, don't do that. 
and then and then it's now 8:15 and all of a sudden the the owners are capturing their dogs putting them on the leash and tearing them away from from the park you know ending this pleasurable experience that's happening same thing with this fish this fish is just swimming around having a great time and all of a sudden the fisherman says okay it's finally time for me to catch you because it's i'm gonna eat you for dinner and i need something for dinner not the same thing at the dog park but that's that's the way it is it, to me it's just simple pleasure pleasure fun a little song and and uh very dramatic on the part of the narrator that yes. he's yes. snatching the dog, yes. putting the leash on, yes. and now you're coming home. Yeah. No, you've been playing at the dog uh, at the park for a couple of hours. It's time to go. You're putting the leash on, and we're going. <laughs> we, should, we should mention that as Megan is telling the story, she has a dog. A dog. Her beck and call. Yeah. <laughs> What's well, interesting too? This was one of the first songs I ever learned my undergrad, and. You know, I don't really like cute songs as a general rule. So you listen to it, it sounds really cute. But if you dive in, you know, it's it's strophic. It's like, okay, it repeats itself. But each verse is from a different kind of a... I mean, they're all through a narrator, but they're all a different perspective. You start out with the stream and the fish, and then you get to the more of the fisherman's take. And then it gets, you know, a little darker when the fish gets caught. Um, and yeah, so it just kind of shifts and it's kind of dramatic in the accompaniment part shifts on the third verse um, and then it brings you back to the same theme at, at the end. The other really interesting thing about this, like total side note, besides the fact that the Trout Symphony is the same music, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> is that uh, somebody I know had a dryer that when, um, when it was done played this piece of music. So this song really? would get stuck in my head. <laughs> oh. Yes. Yeah. All the time. It's, All the time. Uh, the it's lovely kind of tongue new. in cheek, right? <laughs> it's like, it's like, kind of like, isn't it the worst thing ever? That yeah. Happening? Uh, uh, uh. yeah. It's kind of like uh -huh. cute and adorable. I, and I yet just love it. Being, I just think yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's and like yeah. you're talking to a child being very dramatic to yes. a child. Yeah, it's a great about story. About the story oh, yeah. and the fishes. But it's, you know. And don't you it's just about feel telling like, the story. That's yeah, exactly it. Yeah. 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 It's a his, perfect narrative story. His voice is like, oh, he, to me, it's like, every time I listen to him, I get more and more impressed because it's like the easiest thing in the world. He's not doing a thing to sing. It's like, just, it just all flows right out of his mouth. Everything is just, it seems so spontaneous. It's just seems talking with good tone. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know I mean? No, I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's, I guess that's what so many people strive for, is that ability to appear spontaneous in their performance, even though they've spent umpteen hours working to get it to that point, mm -hmm. not necessarily on that song or aria or whatever, but umpteen hours getting their technique to a place where then when they're learning and working on that music and then when they do the umpteen hours of reading and the research and the poem or whatever, that if they want to color it with joy or color it with anger or color it with love or whatever it is, they just feel that and it comes out in their voice just as they're as if they were talking to their friend or yeah. telling a story to a child, as you said. Because if you sang it just like you told that story, 
you would have the audience in the palm of your hand. Oh yeah, because you got the so excited, thing, we're just very yeah. passionate about it. Because know? the thing yeah. that the audience, I mean, I'm starting to think that the thing that the audience cares about is you. Mm-hmm. They want to see you, like whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. They want to see like some kind of real piece of you, and like that was so that was such a great way of explaining what the song is about. It just mm-hmm. made so much sense. It's the buzzword of authenticity. Yeah. Well, and and that's true. And Paige, um, for the art, I mean, with our conversation earlier about art song, you're right. It is about interpretation more than anything else. It's taking what's on the page because art song you can do so. I know we've talked about this before. You can do so much with it. It can go a lot of different ways. I could see a hundred singers sing the same set, and it would be different every time. Mm -hmm. And that's incredible. Yeah. You know, it's incredible. Because you are, it's very exposed, it's very naked in a way that, you know, that other art forms are not necessarily. And it's very personal. Mm-hmm. You know, every narrator that tells, that sings Di Foella is, it's going to be slightly different, even though the music seems so simple. He did a couple things that I had never thought to do in that song, you know, when I was learning it. It's, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. You know, it's I won't so steal good. them. I may steal them. But yeah. you should. You should steal yeah. from the greatest. If you're yeah, steal. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you steal well, from that thing. Yeah. Uh, but but many as consider long as it's his the way operatic. You feel honestly about True. it. Yeah, and a lot of people don't enjoy when he sings opera. So really? yeah, Yeah. It's. I don't hear. You don't see a lot of recordings of him. Right. Because they're out there. I've listened to a recording of him singing Scarpia. Really. But she wouldn't. Thing, oh, right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. He smoked um, like a stack. Really? Yeah, he was a big smoker. I mean, like a stack, like a smoke stack, or like a like, stag, like a D. Like a stack, okay. like a smoke stack. Okay. Yeah. That's it. That's what I heard. Stag, and I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Do you yeah. smoke? Um, but uh, but yeah. So a lot of people don't. Um, I think it's because, in my opinion, it's because for. This form, storytelling, he is unparalleled. Yes. So oh, <laughs> you might say there are others who are as good storytellers, but they are just different storytellers. They have a different storytelling style in leader than he. And in opera, very often this, you're not telling a story in a little thing. You're emoting. It's a lot more, this aria is about emotion, it's not narrative, it's not, and so if you get a little bogged down sometimes in the nitty gritty, you may lose the overall effect, effect of yeah. within the opera. And that's what I think people are criticism about. But I, I've heard him and I think sometimes he does great, and like you say, I would have never thought to do that, and that's kind of interesting and fun. So there's something, is something to be learned from hearing a great storyteller sing those operatic characters. Mm-hmm. I love it. Like Count Alma and mm-hmm. others, yeah. His granddaughter went to Peabody. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was just there a couple years ago. Wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> I was like, oh, your last name is Fisher T. Scott with the hack. Holy moly. And she was like, yes, that Fisher T. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. But with an accent, of course. Yeah. Not like that. Well, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Well, All right. I love this wine. You love yeah, this wine. Yeah, I, I, I like this wine better than the a wine. Mm. Is it pretty beautiful? Where is it on the scale? This, this is more 
in the beautiful area mm -hmm. than pretty. It's spicy. Mm. It's like peppery. A nice little bit of pepper. Or unique. You are. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not pretty. It's more no. than pretty. No, it's different. It's not pretty. Oh, it's pretty. Different. I like pretty. If somebody said I was pretty, pretty, pretty. pretty. You know, if somebody mm -hmm. said it was pretty, I'd think that. Well, was what do good. we smell and well, taste? You are pretty. Oh, but I want to be beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just. I think it's it's a pretty incredibly intense nose. It's mm -hmm. got like smokiness and mm -hmm. anise and mushroominess and little spiciness maybe. Um, it, 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 the nose is kind of exotic, yeah. Yeah. What would you pair this with? Pork. I would actually pair it with roast chicken. It sounds mundane, but I think it would just be awesome with just a roast chicken. I want to hear your take on this, Nana. Miss Chef Slushsinger. I am embarrassed to say that I really don't know how to pair wines with food. Okay. <laughs> For real. She gets together with Jay. She does. <laughs> it's a very good thing. Uh, yeah. too. I mean, there, I, there, there are more things than roast chicken, but that's the first one that, like, if I was out there, mm. I figure anybody who cooks can probably make roast chicken, and so yeah. it's an easy thing to recommend that I think would go really well with this. I do think pork could go with this. Um, it just depends upon how you season it. I would do a pork with, like, a, a cherry glaze. Mm. Mm. That's a very southern thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> well... My roots are southern, after all. <laughs> I mean, I, I can also think how this would go with, um, this would actually go well with an unsweetened sweet potato dish with nuts. You know, like okay. it has a, you know, instead of like adding the extra sweetness that a yeah, lot of people do. You know? But I mean, there are people who take sweet potatoes and then add maple sugar or right, you know, right. all those maple oh, yeah. brown sugar yeah. and stuff Don't to it. Don't ever do that. There you go. <laughs> Don't ever do that. I mean, we're coming yeah. up with that season. I know, know. that's true. Don't do marshmallow the marshmallow I've done right there. I'm with you, I can't. But, um, but, but I mean, don't do that. Get to that root vegetable and have that nuttiness with it. And I think this would go really well with it because of that earthiness in this mm -hmm. wine. But it also has some nice fruit in it. Um, I don't want to tell you what I get until you tell me what you get. Okay. You show me your the you show me <laughs> I knew Jess was going That's so funny. You opened the door, we all walked around. Mm -hmm. I mean, it gets done with hers, so. I like it. Like, you, know, you didn't like it. You get strawberry? I get a little strawberry. It is kind of yeah. interesting yes. that you get those, yeah, those fruits on this. I agree. Yeah. It's really, really good, Paige. But it has, it, it has um, other. the best. It has berries. It has, it's not as cherry as the last one, but it has right. some cherryness to it. Yeah. Um, More diverse. But it is. Um, it's got it's got some floral notes on the palate, like rose water on the palate, yeah. which is really interesting. Oh, it's for not, heaven's sake! Don't get that all. Let the time. me have another rose taste water. of this. Yeah. Well, have you had rose water? I'm assuming you have. Last time I, I had rose water, I only sprayed it on my face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't so think rose drink. water tastes very good. I had rose water rose flavored tea. um sorbet once. Mm -hmm. Okay. As in a moose bouche somewhere. Well, and, and like I'm not it's saying like it tastes flowers. like rose water. You I'm saying there are hints of rose water in yeah, there, that floral kind yeah. of flavoring. 
and that and it's not a yeah i don't like to drink perfume or rose water as a, as a thing but yeah th if i'm sure. chasing something i don't yeah it's, tried it been there done that I, yeah. yeah okay i mean that's the crazy thing when people say how do you taste wet stone or whatever I'm like, because <laughs> like i'm the weird thing? person who when it rains i go out and i pick a stone and stone. pick it up and i lick it and i go oh that explains and, a lot and, right and I'll be like, oh, there's a different stone made of something different. Let me Mercury lick that poisoning. and see if it tastes different. I mean, that is the weird person I am. I'm also the weird person who goes to the Wegmans and the fresh markets of the world. And when I see a fruit or a vegetable that either I haven't had or tasted in a while or I have never, I will pick it up and I will smell it. I'm not going to necessarily buy it unless I have a reason, but I will look and smell and try to get an idea of what that might be like so I can apply it to other yeah. things. That's me at the Asian market. I yeah, right? Well, that's fun, thing. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Persian cuisine is all about rose water and mm. orange blossom water. And everything. Mm. Really? Yeah, Persian cuisine. Wow. Maybe this is a Persian one. Mm. <gasps> so this we go with. <laughs> well, you could. I mean, there's, there, there, it, you were saying you don't know about pairing. So digressing before we move on briefly, in general, wine pairing with food has, there's two ways to go about it. There's contrast and complement. You know, uh, so if you have, uh, say, a creamy dish, like chicken alfredo, just something very general, and you had, we're gonna pair a wine with it, you have a choice. You could pick a wine, like, a big creamy Chardonnay and then what's going to happen is the creaminess and the creaminess are going to cancel each other out so that when you sip the wine you suddenly don't taste the creaminess in the wine anymore you're going to taste the other parts of the wine now if the wine doesn't really have other parts then you're kind of screwed because <laughs> you basically cut out the most interesting part of the wine let's say but another way would be it's creamy how do I cut through the creaminess of acid. that dish mm -hmm. so acid right so maybe i pick a brighter uh chardonnay that has less smoky creaminess and more bright fruit and then when you taste it what ends up happening is the creaminess comes in and underlays the brightness of the fruit of the chardonnay and it has a base to sing so to speak off of and then your chardonnay cuts through the creaminess of the alfredo so after you've tasted the chardonnay that's brighter and less creamy and you go to the alfredo suddenly you've tasted it fresh again because you're no long you've just broken away and you're tasting it new again does that make sense because one of the things when you taste those creamy dishes is just as creamier and heavier and creamier and when you break it up the other every bite becomes a little new that's why with the chinese food you always pick me a, a nice um a white uh sweet wine that you always yeah go with the spice the contrast contrast mm -hmm. like Riesling yes Riesling that's mm -hmm. the that's the, and it's not a sweet Riesling but it's a off oh, right, 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 yeah. Right, yeah. yeah so yeah that just it that is the first big basic after that everything is nuanced in your experience but those are the big basics and those are things anybody anybody can try at home you know especially if you drink enough wine and eat enough food those are big things you can uh, no you could i mean not in one day necessarily i mean like over time you can know those big basics yeah. about this is a, an acidic wine 
this is you know this is a fruitier wine this is a drier wine and you can base those things based and you know what you're cooking you know um, and you know you can if you don't know and you have a dish I do this a lot in the holiday season uh, you can look us up on Facebook on wine women and song and say I'm doing this what are some pairing ideas I will get on and give you some pairing ideas I shit you not Wow. I do that all the time for people. Oh, Don't I didn't know that. that. I'm totally gonna do that. This is like the best thing I have learned ever. Yeah, yes. I will be failing myself. Of yeah, just services. just try to give a little advance notice. Yeah, like, don't be like I am yeah. in the wine store now, <laughs> right. which has yeah. happened to me. I'm like, I get it. I, I see a text, and it's like, I'm in the wine store. I need something to go with, you know, yeah. Coco Van, you know, and. <laughs> And I, I see the text like 20 minutes later because yeah. it's the middle of the work day yeah, or, yeah. you know, whatever. I'm in a life. rehearsal life. <laughs> so, you know, give me a little heads up notice. You know, it is it, it is nerve wracking when my younger brother has done this to me, but I've been available when he's done it, which is me. He's like, takes a picture of a wine list in a restaurant. He's oh like, pick me a wine. I'm yeah. like, um, okay. I've never thought oh, I'd do that. Right? Now he, does, he, does that. he does that, like... He hasn't done it. He does recently. it about once a once, well, once while is doing it like once yeah. or twice a year. Um yeah. it's fun. It, like it's a, it's, it is a yeah. fun game. It is. Um uh, but what's but, but amazing to me is I still always had to ask, well, what are you eating? Mm. It was like he would just pick me I'm like, oh, no, yeah. tell me what you're eating exactly. first. Then shoot me the or shoot me the that, the picture yeah. and the, what you're eating at the same time. I just, I, that's I, why you usually get the wine list first. But that's one of my pet peeves, is when I go out to like a, a nice restaurant and they ask what you want to drink, I'm like, I need a little time to figure out what I'm eating. I might have a cocktail if I'm yeah. so yeah, really long. Exactly. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. But I agree with you, you yeah. know. Like uh, like when, I don't want to commit to what I want. Pick, yeah. Who wants to pick the wine? We do that all the time. We're yeah. like, well, I'm gonna wait and see what people order. Yeah. And yeah. then that, oh, and that, so I'm not that's, crazy that's the they always biggest look at me test like in the I'm world. Crazy. That is the biggest test in the world for me of picking a wine is yeah. buying a bottle of wine for a table of more than two. Somebody who's getting chicken, meat, oh. shrimp. It must be like a puzzle in your head. Yes, that's a puzzle in my head. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I would fail that every time. <laughs> but anyway, so shall we move on to the next selection? Yes. yes. Oh, awesome. mm -hmm. Thank you. 
Where the girls are all singing. The girls yeah. are all singing about the Rhine Gold. Um, in the Rhine. 
rhyme, they're in the river. So to me, like when we said music about river or water, like this is the first thing that popped into my mind because in a sense, the whole opera happens about and around the river. So, and uh, having seen this for the first time last year, I just loved it so much, so. I loved it too. I yeah, think I saw the same production yeah. you saw. Yeah. And it just blew me away. I wasn't expecting to love it as much. I've always loved Wagner, but like, I didn't know what to expect seeing it in person. And yeah, yeah, and it, you know, the, at night, um, I, I picked this particular song, I guess, um, because it's when they're they're really starting to sing more about the Rhine Gold, and you have the three Rhine maidens, you know, and they're actually like the it's look sisters, you know, here we are in the river, and they're taunting Alberich and. <laughs> well, because they're in the river, you yeah. hear the river theme, yeah. the Rhine theme, so yeah. much throughout. Yeah. All those harp, the harp, yeah. harp, harp. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you have that E flat chord going underneath, rolling underneath. Yeah, always, yeah, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's got a lovely motif. Yes. And this is actually. This if was you the... don't, you're effed. If you're watching <laughs> Wagner, you're like, forget leitmotif. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go again. Here we go again with the sword that, underneath yeah. the ring motive, underneath the love motive. Yeah. Under... Yeah, yeah. Okay. Not to totally derail us, but I, we were watching. Lord of the Rings the other day. So I was like applying, I mean, it's basically oh, you have the same motives. So I was explaining, I mean, I just got on my musical high horse or something and just started explaining this is a theme connected with this thing. And that was like Wagner. I mean, it's yeah. the same thing. Oh, well, you know, we did before, before um, I went to see The Ring, we did a Lord of the Rings and we even did The Hobbit before. A movie Perfect. marathon, like the ring before the ring. Yeah, love it. Just it was, it was, my it was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this recording is 1957. Yep. Oh, I think. Wow. Live. Live. Yeah. Such good. Not just the dogs chewing their. <laughs> yeah. What is it? Is it? How do you pronounce the conductor's last name? Knoppers Bush. Uh, I don't know. I, it, well, you do pronounce K, so it'd be Knoppers Bush. Bush. Um, and Knoppers it was it's Firewhite. Hans. First name's easy. Hans. Yeah. <laughs> Get the first name. Colin so have you Hans. always been a Wagner fan or how did that happen? Um I I will say I I don't know that I knew much Wagner until I met Jay, really. Like I don't I, I wasn't opposed to it. I think I just hadn't heard very much other than, you know, like what you hear in normal you know, right in the Valkyries and you know the the things making fun of it a little bit um, but when I started listening to more of it um, having been an, a French horn player uh, in my youth um, like that really like that I think the first Wagner I heard live was the concert version of Gutter Um she went in like Hard. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Concert. Five hours sitting, sitting there for five hours. She's like, I think I and like it was, Yeah. And it was like, and the or, I mean, the orchestra in that uh, particular. I didn't have tickets for her for free. Okay. No, yeah. I bought those. Well, you bought those. My season tickets. You couldn't. It wasn't oh, even the dress rehearsal. Right. Okay. Yeah, but it was like, I was uh, even though it was in concert, like I was blown away, like even just by the orchestra. And the orchestra for that production was. Oh. 
they were like tight, like and everything was just. Low grass and Wagner, mm, yeah. It's, it's yeah, so I, I think that it. was Maestro again's first what? performance like, oh, as nine? music director, but now he's retired. I mean, or not retired, but he's, he's his contract on. ends after yeah. this season or ended. I can't remember how it works, but yeah. So the sunset is on his time in Washington mm -hmm. National, but that was his debut. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was so it was phenomenal. Like I didn't even realize that I it, I was watching it in concert. Um, That's all because it was just you know it's it's funny. I, I I have my issues with Wagner as an individual, and sometimes his music I prefer Strauss personally. <laughs> but you know if you're like my first Wagner opera seeing, I just sort of like I went in with you know eyes rolling. Like I mean I have an understanding of how good the music is, but I didn't want to like it. Uh -huh. And then I got there and I gave myself over. To the gorge, like as soon as the orchestra started oh, yeah. playing, I just like, like thirty minutes went by and it felt like five, mm -hmm. you know, because these these modes, I mean, they take forever to develop. Oh yeah. But you know, if you, Were you really familiar with the motives before you went in, vaguely. I mean, the first the first Wagner I saw was Tom Hoiser, oh. and actually I didn't want to like it also because um, the particular production. <laughs> that I saw basically had like Starts a full on orgy. Like, like, yeah. But they had like scene. nude people okay. on stage, and I was like, thank God I was sitting really far back. See, now, some people <laughs> that, that gets very them in the door, That's true. some yeah. people, there's a nude orgy at the beginning, That's and they true. run to see the opera, yeah. and then. They're like, well, you're an orgy, and all of a sudden they're like, wait a second, yeah, listen to this awesome yeah. music. Yeah. It is one of the, honestly... New orgy, that'll get them in the mm -hmm. opera. Just saying. Yes, I'm sure some people went because they read some reviews and saw that there would be some dance. At least it was dancers and not singers. So people... <laughs> right. It's true. I'm just saying. No, I agree. I can say that as a singer, right? Yeah. But the music is so transportive that even if I close my eyes... Like, it just, it transports you. It does. You know, it yeah. does. It's, it's it does. like so epic. Yeah, it's epic and it's like movie music, but 20,000 times better. It's movie better. music yeah. because, it's movie music because music, movie music today is derivative of that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to explain is the, yeah. the light motifs, like, they're still around and they're the only, or the only movie scores that work employ that. Yeah. I feel like the really good ones do. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Star yeah. Wars, right? You know, Star yeah. Wars, yeah. Star Wars, too. John Williams, uh, for sure. I mean, oh, so many, so many. Yeah. I mean, Howard Shore and the Lord yeah. of the Rings, like you were saying, yeah. all of it. So, um, no, but the other interesting point, controversial to bring up, maybe we'll cut this, <laughs> is, um, you know, you talked about you went into Wagner and you didn't want to like it or you had preconceived notions, didn't think you would like it. Yeah. Did that have to do with the anti-Semitism? My family's and Jewish. The, it's, right? a, it's a, it's a hard thing to oh, sort of wrap. You know, because, I mean, personally, I detest him. You know? Sure. But this, whenever I have debates about, you know, art, you know, art versus artist, I can appreciate the art while not really having any respect or or admiration for the man. Mm -hmm. Because even if he weren't anti-Semitic, he was still a dick. Can I say yeah, that? Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. No, you, you can say he a was. lot. This he is, was a criminal. This is mature. You know, like, is, that, is that what's yeah. called mature? Explicit. Explicit. You, you can say he's a dick. Yeah, you can say I mean, worse than that. Yeah. So, like... I think putting saying that Wagner was a dick is really super putting him mildly. Yeah. 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 I, I, don't, I think even his biggest fans would would be like, yeah. oh yeah, he was yeah. a dick. Right. 
Um, and his music, I mean, was used for, you know, anything. Yeah, no, but, it was co-opted. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's part of the, the love-hate relationship with Bogger. And that, and, as a singer, like, um, I mean, I've sung some of his music, and it's, you know, unnecessarily difficult at times when you look at the whole scope of roles. I'm sure you sung some Wagner as mm-hmm. well. Um, some things are a little unrelenting for the voice, um, especially if you don't have the orchestra under, you know, under the stage as it was initially sort of conceived. Well, yeah, and the other thing I think if you're singing Wagner is one, as a singer, this is me, I believe that you have to embrace the fact that often you are a color within the orchestral yeah. texture. You are not supposed to be above and beyond the entirety mm-hmm. of the orchestra, right. where there are plenty of other operas where the opera is, the orchestra yeah. is accompaniment for the singer. Right. There are Very. far more times in Wagner where, yes, there are times mm-hmm. where the voice rings out true and honest, but yeah. there are other times where it's like, you are supposed to be one color within the orchestral texture. You yeah. have to embrace that so you don't hurt yourself yeah. or overextend yourself so that you can't do the rest of the shit. Right. <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot of it, and it's long. <laughs> and, you, and you just voice something that is so... It's going on right now. So do we not like the Cosby show anymore, you know, yeah. because of what we know? Or mm-hmm. who's, the, who's the guy who's... Kevin you know, Spacey. The, the, well, Kevin Spacey, of course. Yeah. Do we yeah. not All like his work? Stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. Do mm-hmm. we not like any of those movies a- anymore, or what, right. uh, the, what he's done? It's a really hard right. call. And is it easier to, with Wagner because it's hundreds of years later? Yeah. Yes, he's it is gone. easier. Yeah, he's yeah. not, he's it not, is. not we're not, not deny it. If we boycott him, this it doesn't is, affect money. <laughs> this is, this is my um, expectation with Wagner specifically. If you go and see a Wagner show and there is a program, I expect that you get some of the negative things about him. I think in the that's program. fair. And if that is not there, I have a problem with mm-hmm. it. I really do. Because I feel like it it doesn't detract from his music. You can still enjoy his music. But I think you need an understanding of who he was as a person. It's like putting an asterisk on Bill Cosby's work. Because or it's, Barry Bonds home or, run record, or, yeah, <laughs> and as a Giants fan, yes, it's hard, but yes, I mean, and OJ Simpson, yeah, also yeah. went to USC, right. problems yeah. with that too, yeah. You so. know, it's we can't detach completely, we can recognize the art, we can, we should be, we should, Wagner's work is so good that we should still be performing it, we should never ban works that are very good because the person that created them is a bad person. Mm-hmm. Um, because that, their job is to create art, and art lives beyond the man. It's beyond the person that created it. It takes on a life of its own, mm-hmm. um, and we need to acknowledge that and still interpret it. You know, if it's crappy music, then yeah, for heaven's sake, yeah, never perform it again. It. You know, and, or when it is performed again, reject it again. Yeah, right. exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. No, mean, that's a there good are point. times where people unearth stuff, and, and I go here, and I'm like, why the hell did you yeah. pick that up after all? Yeah, years? it's like but there's, there's something novelty. to be said though in terms of like you know, in in terms of that, you you can you know resurrect a piece 
you know, look at it objectively right. and, and be like, go, okay, oh, it's still crap. There's a reason <laughs> why it was no rejected. one performs the speech. But, but, yeah. but right, but that's that that is it. That there's nothing wrong with that exercise, correct? Per se, but there are times where you pull things off the track sheet. Well. Like anything else, you go yeah. and you dust it off a little. You go, holy yeah. shit, what a gem! Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and we do need to appreciate that that his music is quite good. It may not be your cup of tea, but it's mm. good. No, that's true. Yeah. I feel like I'm really struggling with this con- this whole thing. Concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, really it's harder. Am. It's harder now, I think, than the perspective of the. Million, uh, centuries later. Yeah. Yeah. Because we weren't there when he was behaving badly. Or we were. Um, or none of us were there when his music was being co-opted. With you know, that with really yeah. bad right. behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are you struggling with? I'm just struggling with the fact, isn't it? I don't know. Maybe this belies like a certain immaturity on my behalf, but I hate knowing that people that wrote transcendent things are not amazing human beings. That is just painful, right? Like I want them to be all of these things that their music is, but in some ways, I guess it's also a little comforting because it means that I don't have to be perfect and I can still do something that's meaningful. Yeah, well, and I think that's part of being human, too. Right. Um, and, and maybe, you know, I mean, like, if we think, even if we think about, like, some of the, some of the greatest singers were, like, just bitches and, yeah. you know, dicks. But the <laughs> only reason that, <laughs> the only reason that that, could work and, it, and it's no longer so much mm-hmm. the case because yeah. people just don't have the time to work with them yeah. yeah but back back in the day if if the music what or the voice weren't at the the forefront of of their artistry then it would be disregarded mm-hmm. but because the interpretations often are so interesting and so good those yeah. like nowadays it's harder to be a diva or a devo in a negative sense mm-hmm. Because you'll just be so easily replaced. Nobody has time for that. And social media is so prevalent that you'll just get fired. You know? Um, There are very few talents that are so transcendent. And they're around. Mm -hmm. And people know about them. Mm -hmm. We don't need to discuss them. um, That they still work. But it's, you know, back in the day, it was more, people were more forgiven. Yeah. Because... Well, Honestly, they didn't know also, all the also, things that right, were happening. Yes. Exactly there was no right. like yeah. information. There was no social media. Yeah. There was no instant. No, there were people no people next to the didn't know. They yeah. only saw what they saw on stage. Yeah. So right. it was they were like right. gods and goddesses. Right. right. Well, there's that, but I mean, you know, I I I I understand the struggle. I mean, but it's it it, it it's I mean it's hard to be human. I mean, it's hard to embrace the fact that nobody's perfect and that the people who are capable of moving and touching us in beautiful ways are not absolutely beautiful people and human beings themselves. They might even be hideous human beings Mm -hmm. in and of themselves. Mm -hmm. But I would like, I mean, I would like to think that 
I am more of a beautiful human being than I am an ugly human being. At least that's what I strive for in my life. I, no, I, I, no, no, it's fine. I'm not asking for reaffirmation here. What I'm, I'm saying is, this is what. Right, I, thank you. But that's part of the reason I think I am. But regardless, so I, I like to believe that. But I know there's ugliness within me. However, I believe that there are plenty of ugly people out there too. And I don't mean physically. I mean, yeah, the people not the physicality their, their soul but i honestly their... believe that that doesn't mean they are incapable of not having beauty within them and it's just an amazing quirk of fate life whatever you want to say that some very fucking asshole ugly ass human being such as wagner which there's no yeah. to my mind there's no doubt that's who he was uh was still capable of taking that portion of himself of beauty and shining its light into the world. You know? Yeah. I don't think he was a beautiful human being, but somehow he had that capability to take that piece of him and present it. Right. And sometimes as lovely, wonderful people, we are asked to do things on stage that don't necessarily reflect our character, um, that are uglier aspects of our personalities. You know, I don't know if any of you have had to do that, but I have. And it's interesting to explore that dark side of yourself because as, as you're an interpreter, you kind of have to. It's your responsibility yeah, in some ways your, to do that, to explore that. And it doesn't necessarily reflect well on, on me, but it's part of the human experience that as artists, in any form, you know, it's your responsibility to, my point is that the art can reflect something about you that is there underneath on some level that isn't necessarily you. So Wagner was a tool, an asshole, but he had beauty, he was capable of creating beauty. Um, and I believe all of us are capable of creating beauty. And or appreciating ugliness. beauty. And appreciating beauty. Yeah, and Even ugliness. We are, are all capable of creating right. ugliness. In, in this day and age, it's so easy to create, you know, to be creative in the ugly ways that we comment on the world. That's sort of very trendy. Common. Yeah. I mean, trolling is, you know, yeah. so common. It's presidential. And it's so easy. And it is now currently presidential. Um, but it's it's a lot harder to to bring beauty into the world, even if you are an ugly person, especially if you're an ugly person. I would think it would be harder to tap into the beauty within you. Yeah. Well, I can, I can say I have worked with people that I thought were huh. raging hemorrhoids and <laughs> yeah. um, as people to work with. And yet there were things I enjoyed about the music that they were writing, composing, and I was creating and singing. Yeah, I agree. And I didn't want to get along with them, and I didn't like them as people, but I was really glad I was singing their works. Mm -hmm. So from that, having that experience individually mm -hmm. allows me to have a different perspective on someone like Wagner yeah. and, and realizing that there, there exists the possibility of separation or, or, or not even necessarily separation, but the duality of a feeling of 
I'm not saying the right word, but appreciating the beauty on an existential level and also recognizing the reality of what it took to create that. You know, I'm sorry, we're humans. We're not simple. We can have complex emotions and feelings. And there's nothing wrong with appreciating the beauty that exists at the same time as recognizing that which is not. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said it the doesn't thing, have to be mutually yeah, exclusive. Yeah, that's why I said the thing about the program notes. You know, yeah. and that's why I think it needs to be there because you can't gloss over. Um, you can't gloss over the negative of it since the negative was so overwhelming, um, and and comes off in his operas, in his characterizations. Um, so yeah, it's it's the duality. You have to represent the duality instead of glorifying his music without recognizing that. Because that's dangerous to me, um, without diminishing the work as it is. It's like putting an asterisk on Barry Bonds. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> well, then I, and I definitely think uh, we're not going to solve or come to any like cadence uh, in this conversation. So I'm going to pull it over to the <laughs> wine uh, only because of time and also because we won't come to a cadence on this, but I will say that uh, I do think that this having this conversation is important amongst people. Yeah, maybe we wouldn't have to pull down all of these um, statues. We could just put a little asterisk next to the statue. Mm -hmm. By the way, this This was in in history, but but this is a glorious piece of art. And then we wouldn't have to pull down the statue. Or shove them in a museum. That's where I think they belong. That's me. There's a difference. I mean, I think, right. I mean, on that subject, I think, in my opinion, is there's a difference between taking the art and putting it in the public square and then right. taking the art and putting it in some place where it's a historical record. Yeah. Right. I think there's a difference between that because being in the public square to me means you're celebrating it. It's part of your current culture. Oh, really? Yeah. I, that's. That's my belief, because, my opinion. But yeah, for yeah, me, no, and I'm yeah, for me, statues are less. It's not like you have like a a ren, renoir or something. They're depicting a person, so you know, it's not like public art in the same way that a public art where you can have discussions about it. You mean like the big man woman in front of the train station? That's not a person? <laughs> yes. I like that. that is not a person. I personally don't like that, but I have no problem with it. Like it, Bill and Somebody maybe down the line will because... Right, but it's not representative of a person in the way that a statue right. of a confederate person It has is. a Twitter account. Oh, really? The man woman? Yeah. What's it called? Man woman statue, I think. <laughs> Everybody needs to go to Penn Station in Baltimore and figure out what we're talking about. Because yeah. it is, as public art goes, it is a conversation. It, it is definitely, is, definitely, it definitely is. is. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely remember when that went up and there were so many people like, I hate it, I hate it. I remember saying, you know, when the Eiffel Tower went up, people hated it. Oh, people, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, they hated that. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, public art is always going to be debated one way. And that it's yeah. supposed to. And yeah. it's supposed to, yes. yes. Very yeah. key. Alright, so the wine. <laughs> Sorry, I have to get to the wine because <laughs> yes, we've been talking do. for a long Sorry. time on other subjects. Yeah. What do you think of wine number three? Make it still smoky. like number two. Yeah. <laughs> smoky tobacco-y. Smoky tobacco-y. Alright. I think it really, really worked with the Wagner. 
Yeah. It's heavy. It's a little heavier. This is heavier. Yeah. And the finish, I don't, for me, it's not my cup of tea. It's a little, it leaves you, I don't know, it leaves me a little dry. It's a little dry finish to mm -hmm. me. Tannins are maybe a little more prominent. Yes. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, to me, the, the tannins at the mm -hmm. end come across as like oversteep black tea. Mm -hmm. um, yes. And I you know I've used that when I describe tannins to people, but it distinctively comes across like that to me. Um, which isn't a bad thing, it's just a thing. Um, what I've thought about all three of the wines that we've had, as I've mentioned, I don't pair wine with food right. because I don't know how to do it, but I thought, Wow, these probably taste great with food. If we could figure out <laughs> what they would be good with, that that would like just exemplify them. Really. I, I definitely think this was slightly bigger than yeah. the last one. Um, so. It's it to me. It, it, I like all the descriptives you gave, um, Jessica. I like because I thought it came across in in an earthier, dirtier kind of. <laughs> Taste, you know, all of those leathery, yeah. earthy, tobacco-y, vegetable kind of things. It less fruity than the other yeah, two. Yeah, definitely less fruity. I have always loved like a smoky flavor profile. That's something I really like. Mm -hmm. So I like this one a lot. Jesus, gotcha. gets in <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, um, this is the point where we move on to the fourth song. While uh, and uh, I ask you what your favorite is, I'll pull you more. <laughs> Number one for me. One for you. Yeah. Two. Two for you. Two. Two. I'll go with one or three. One or three. Yeah. Okay. I'll surprise you and we'll listen to the next piece.
funny, we just went from Wagner to like a Jewish composer, which makes me giggle a little bit. Oh, so that crazy. was Meyerbeer um, from Le Zugenot. Um, and that piece was Au, Au Beau Pays de la Touraine. Um, so this is like an opera that's about the Huguenots or like the Protestants, and it's like a Protestant Catholic um, centered around the um, Bartholomew Day Massacre. And the character is Marguerite, and she's waiting in the chateau um, by uh, for Raoul. She's Catholic and he's Protestant, um, and they're engaged to be married, or hoping to be, I think, at this point in the opera. Um, and so the, the text is, um, she's, um, she's basically talking about a beautiful um, stream and a gentle um, murmuring and how she loves to like dream um, sitting by the stream on the banks or whatever. So that's like basically the first half of the opera, which is sort of the connection. Um, so I just think it's like not only just like, especially the first part is very beautiful and you get sort of the effect of the stream and just like calm and nature centered. Um, so the artist is Joan Sutherland, wow. if you of course. could not tell mm -hmm. with her perfect, perfect trill mm -hmm. um, and easy high notes. Um, it's just, yeah, she for this music, um, this is French grand opera style for me at its best. Um, just gorgeous. You know, and, it, and it's coming back a little bit. Yeah, so, which, which is, is great. nice, the resurgence of it. Yeah, because it's not very, his music is especially, I feel, is not very much, uh, performed very much, but it's very dramatic music and. People say that his music influ influenced both Verdi and Wagner. I believe it, and, yeah. And, you, and I hear it. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's one of those like, some some might say like a bridge composer from mm -hmm. era one era to another, but to say that diminishes the beauty that's there. I think part of the reason his works are not performed as much actually harkens back a little bit to Handel. You know, a lot of his operas are like they're four really, hours long. Yeah, they're usually you know? five acts, and right. usually there's a ballet. I mean, they're they're epic, but I feel like they. Can I like be, ballet and opera. I do yeah. too. Um, but it's it's a long evening, and, and this subject is pretty weighty, and it tends to be expensive. You, in this case, you have a lot of principal artists who have to have right. good technique. The orchestration is ten, yeah. tends to be kind of fuller for that time period. Ain't cheap. Yeah. yeah, it's what they call grand. It is grand opera. opera for a reason, and you know there was a time when this music was you know for someone like a Joan Sutherland, she was able to pull it off because she was able to. Star power. Yeah, she had star power to be able to put on stuff like that. Not just the ability to sing the music. Yeah. So when you listen to this and the very first thing that we listen to, yeah. do you see any comparison between the two artists? I mean, there's the, the virtuosity yeah. is definitely there. Um, the, the technique is solid. You can hear hear the technique. I don't believe, I don't, I've never sung this, so I haven't looked at the score. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know how much is interpolated, but it sounds like at least a couple of the high notes may have been just based on what I've heard. I think yeah, one of the other, the biggest differences, I think, um, in general, there's an expectation, expectation to do ornamentation in the handle, mm -hmm. such that if, you know, Jessica sang that aria, and you know, Gabby sang that aria, 
you would expect the ornamentation to be different. Mm -hmm. Whereas I honestly think in that piece, you might have a couple it's differences written. here and there, yeah. but pretty, it's mm -hmm. either all written there and you might be like, well, if you can do this high note or yeah. you can or do there's this. there's a couple of options. A couple, yeah. right. Yeah. But there's more, awesome. there's a lot more hewed in as to what you can do. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, if you were doing the handle, you'd be like, ooh, I've got a, like a wicked way I could interpret this. Like, this is about war. Right. I think I can sing something that sounds like drum, snare drums going yeah. off to battle. So I'm going to put yeah. throw this in there because that's just what you want to do to interpret right. that. I have an amazing high note. Let me show it Let off. me show yeah. it off here that yeah. you do this. And so, right, exactly. And I, I don't think the flexibility to ornament and interpret is there in this piece versus the handle. But... The virtuosity is certainly yeah. Written I would say in. yeah, they sound similar. Like mm -hmm. what I mean, especially if the like to an untrained thing. ear, you would you would hear, but especially like all of the coloratura passages right. and stuff. Well, and you like, also in yeah. in those two instances, you have two fuller voices mm -hmm. with absolutely crystal clear coloratura. Yeah, and we had one mezzo and one soprano. Right. Yeah. So they're showing off different yeah. aspects of their voices. I mean, but they're not still like, like virtuosic. Like, yeah. yeah. In yeah. terms of the low and the high, you yeah. know, they're both completely able to use their voices as instruments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just so amazing to me that Sutherland has a utter lack of like pressure. Like when she sings, it's like no effort at Oh. But it's it's different though. If you hear her sing her heavier rep, it sounds completely different to me. When she sings this stuff, it's like all bell, kind of like this, just almost purely head voice. Do you know what I mean? Where she it's, must have some space up in her forehead. Oh, she has the, the biggest forehead I've ever seen yeah. from I a singer. Know. I feel but, like she started singing the heavy stuff when her voice was getting. But she started singing heavy stuff. Was going a little bit. But she started singing heavy stuff, and then her husband had her sing the lighter stuff. Right? Am I right? Come on. She don't started. Know. I don't know. Audience, correct me. Yeah, and she Audience sings correct heavy. Me. Yes, go she to Facebook. Correct her. Catherine had some responses. Yes, Catherine responses when you listen. By the way, we did include a mezzo. But yeah. She's a Schwitzen, actually. I mean, she's not. Yeah. Okay, she's a mezzo mezzo. <laughs> she's a she's a mezzo with a gorgeous mind. With uh, she wasn't really. Oh, <laughs> the garment has been. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. We, we just threw. We're just. We're getting into it now. We've had our. Wait. We've third we're glass of wine. We're on to the right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So we, is it time to reveal Should we talk the about the different yeah, wines? I want to know what, what we talk are. about the different wines? Okay, so um, well, let's reveal. Yes, reveal. Stupid, I hate you, Siri. Miss <laughs> Paddington, shut up. Okay. <laughs> All right, so. My Siri would respond. <laughs> wine number one, which was Paige? That was my favorite. Favorite. Yeah, All yeah, right. Pretty wine. It was pretty wine. It was, nobody hated it. No, it's good. It's All right, good. so this is um, this is uh, Tournant Matilda from uh, Victoria in uh, Australia. Mm -hmm. um, but it is uh, the wine producer is uh, Michel Chapoutier. Or M. Chapoutier, yeah. as many people okay. know, because he's a French, French. wine negotiant yeah. who went to Australia to start to make wine there in a French style. Okay. Um, so this is actually 100% Shiraz or Syrah, really? but he okay. produced it, very French. tried to make it very French, but it comes from Australia. Nice. I've seen that bottle. 
Yeah, it's got, it, it, I mean, it kind of looks like there's like a little braille on it. I don't know the story <laughs> behind that. It probably, uh, probably does have a great story, which I should have researched before today. Um, <laughs> bad post. Um, but this actually, this is the 2011, this was his first uh, vintage released in the U.S., is my understanding, uh, from, from his uh, effort in Australia. Uh, again, 2011, uh, the 14 just came out. Uh, usually retails for around $17. It's not super expensive. Um, nice. But I think that's, you know, pretty wine is very, definitely, I don't think any of us would have gone. That's an Australian Shiraz. No, no not definitely not. Yeah. No way. Right? It, it right. made me think of like a classic Cote de Rhone. <laughs> so. So that was really quite intriguing and interesting. And I, and I, and I, I, I do like that wine. It was, it was quite lovely. Um, the wine number two, which uh, two, I guess is the winner because we had two <laughs> votes versus uh -huh. one and one, so to speak. This is uh, clearly it's, it's seen some uh, action in our cellar <laughs> from the label being ripped up. But this is Tardieu and Laurent, which is um, a major negotiant house in uh, Rome. Negociant is essentially, for those who don't know, in France, these are people who are winemakers, but they don't own vineyards. And so they uh, have contracts with a lot of different uh, vineyards. And because they've grown in the relationships, they know the fruit, they, they prune and get it, et cetera, yada, yada, to, to, to give the fruit that the winemaker wants. And so Negociant, they negotiate all those contracts and they take those grapes and they make wines. They, uh, Tardieu and Laurent, make a lot of really well-known, renowned, and heavy money wines in the Rhone regions, particularly Chateau Neuf du Pape um, and Corbiere. We're talking like hundred plus dollars a bottle. Um, this is their Cote de Rhone Rouge from 2009. So this is like near the bottom end of what they do. Um, it's 23 bucks a bottle, um, but it's pretty damn good. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and, I, and I think it, I think it Nobody who just would drink this wine would immediately go Cote de Rhone because it has so much more right. going on. Most people think Cote yeah. de Rhone, simple, fruity, light. Right. This was so much more than just that. Uh, so th this, this is a special bottle. I think that might have been our last, but you know, whatever. Oh, well. Great occasion. <laughs> uh, and let's see, uh, wine number, oh, and I think the current vintage on that is uh, also 2014 so that that tells you that wines of quality even if you're not thinking you know Cote de Rhone I would age it but that one five years on it mm -hmm. no big deal uh, this is uh, Beauchendal uh, Shiraz Mubedra from South Africa 70% Shiraz 30% Mubedra um, uh, the winemaker here uh, is South African but uh, did uh, did several uh, years in uh, the Rome region uh, when he was like younger and before he started making his wine uh, in uh, South Africa, and so he's going more for that style. This Shiraz Mavedra is a little more of what we would call uh, a northern Rome kind of uh, blend. Uh, I should have talked about the the blend on the previous number two. That seventy five percent Grenache. 25% Syrah, so this is more Syrah, this is more Northern Rhone versus Southern Rhone, so it's, it, it comes across with the Shiraz as the heavy grape. Uh, 
The Mavedra is going to be what adds a lot, usually adds a lot more of those leathery components that you were picking up on, Jessica. Mavedra. What's the price of Also that? known as Monastral mm -hmm. in Spain. And the price point on this is about $15 or $16. So this wow. is like the gap. You're good to go. Well, that, that's <laughs> the other bad. thing is like the French wine for the French region, a little more expensive, yeah. but finding those, that's, that's the other yeah. thing, those Rhone, in California, they call them Rhone Rangers. We didn't taste any of those. That might be a future one, all like California Rhone Rangers. But the idea is if you're making those styles in different areas, you're not quote unquote a Rhone yeah. wine. Yeah. You may not, and some people who do it really well, they might command the top dollar. But the other people, you might pay a few bucks less and get as interesting or maybe a more interesting one. So, Love it. and when the doggies starting to wrestle, it <laughs> definitely is time for our play out song. So, all right, uh, our playoff song tonight was provided by Suzanne, who hasn't been with us in a while, but I reached out to her and she said, oh, I'd love, love to do that. So uh, the, the song she picked is uh, by Amy Winehouse. Uh, and actually it's interesting uh, because most people don't think of uh, Amy Winehouse as being a jazz singer, but she actually, by many people, is known to be a fabulous jazz singer um, along the lines uh, of like uh, Billie Holiday in terms of style. So this is actually, this is uh, Moon River. Oh, huh. Show some respect, dogs. <laughs> <laughs> 